Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hey man, what's going on? Happy All Hallowed's evening. I'm I'm so tired of hearing about Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Oh, shut up, you whiny little girl. Yeah, I think it's, uh, is it All Saints Day? I, I don't know. Today, you mean actually today, today right, right, right now. November 1st. 1st? Yeah. Well, happy November anyway. That's right. So how was your Halloween? You were predicting a really, uh, a very slow Halloween. Well, I didn't uh, do anything with the kids. A buddy of mine who was in town from D.C. called me and suggested we go to a local cafe because he was leaving today. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had to uh, bring him to the airport today. Ah. So we uh, we just went out for coffee last night and hung out. Well, still, that's cool. Did you see any uh, any cool costumes at the cafe? Not really. Only two people came in in costume, and it was sort of the pretty girl with the cat ears kind of sticking uh, out of her hair, out of her yeah. you know hairstyle. And the other yeah. one was, I don't even know what. But yeah, there was no overt efforts to, uh, to do costumery. I was actually a little disappointed. I mean, in the five miles between my house and the cafe, I bet you I only saw six groups of kids trick-or-treating, uh-huh. so... It seemed you know. like it was a little. Uh, the costumes were a little lame this year. Although I, I think people are, are are distracted. It was pretty cold here. Well, did you do it? Did you give out the candy? I gave out the candy. Yeah, we had maybe six or seven hundred kids. Well, a little down from last year, but pretty freaking impressive. <laughs> yeah, and then there was one costume I have had to call out because it was uh, quite disturbing. Actually, it was a little short uh, black girl, maybe four years old. Wearing a blonde wig and apparently dressed as Honey Boo Boo Child. Oh, God. I, you know, just... <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit I know who Honey Boo Boo is. <laughs> it was just disturbing on so many levels that I I may need some both eye bleach and brain bleach to really get that thought out of my head. Anyway, Did you refuse uh, to give her candy? No, no. I, I gave everyone candy. A lot of It'll kids, be bad for um, Honey Boo Boo's figure. She won't win her beauty pageants. That's true. But a, a lot of kids seem to no longer... Well, some of them are just uh, very young and frightened, but even a lot of older kids, they don't know how to say trick or treat and thank you. They want you, which smartphones, seems, too, not candy. <laughs> it seems like a pretty simple operation to say trick or treat and then thank you, but you have these kids that just kind of glare at you. <laughs> like... Uh, Wow. Anyways, this is a little, is a little disappointing, but um, there it was. And then we uh, we started a fire in the fireplace, and we watched some of uh, series five Doctor Who. You you started the kids on fire? What? Yep. No, the kids the kids are watching Doctor Who, which is a great tradition, and I'm very proud to see my kids. Well, uh, when you run say series five, what uh, Matt what, Smith's what? first season? Oh, okay. I'm very proud to see my kids uh, run and hide behind the furniture when the evil aliens come on, which is now almost a 50-year tradition for kids to do that, watching Doctor Who. But they, Joshua insists that he's not scared, even if you uh, tell him, you know, you don't have to watch this. You can go upstairs and hang out with Mommy. 
no, no, I'm not scared. But <laughs> he runs across the room terrified. The scariest thing in the beginning of that uh, season was uh, fish sticks with uh, custard, right? That's what he wanted to eat in that, the first episode when he visited Amelia Pond. That was hilarious. That was, uh, Watching the new doctor get used to his uh, new taste buds was... He's still cooking. Was funny and hilarious. Yeah, he's he hasn't like his DNA hasn't quite gelled yet or something. But. Yeah, after the regeneration from the previous doctor, played by David Tennant, who I thought yeah. was pretty good. I liked Matt Smith though. I, I'm enjoying what he's doing with the character. I I've only seen half of uh, series five so far, but I, I enjoy him. Okay, I think he's pretty good. I actually I thought Eccleston both eyes are cool. I, <laughs> I thought Eccleston was underrated. I liked the way. Oh, man, that he's Eccleston, my friend. The Leo's favorite out of the new three doctors. He so. played it quite. He played the the character quite seriously. You know, really. He was like, like the Fonzie doctor, leather coat. Yeah, I like the way he dressed, and I also like kind of his philosophy of the doctor, where it really was a a burden to him to be this, you know, last of his kind and all this. But they play that up every once in a while. I haven't seen many of his episodes, so I've got to go back and watch. He was only on one season, I think. Yeah, I'm going to have to get that one on on DVD. We, at the time, a few years ago, we watched the first uh, few via Netflix, but we haven't had Netflix for a while. So anyway, what else is going on there? Yeah, so I know a couple of months ago I mentioned that the HHB CD company, I, I had some of their silver CDs that failed, and I contacted them, and I was kind of going back and forth about getting some replacements. Well, earlier in the week, they finally sent me some replacement gold CDs. They sent me uh, like two boxes of 10. Cool. So h- how many were you claiming that failed originally? Well, I think everyone failed. Well, well, how many were, were affected? Well, I bought a bo- uh, three boxes of 10. Oh, okay. So you got like 20 gold in exchange for maybe 30 silver. Yeah, and I have some out. unused silver ones still, which will go in the bin. Yeah, okay. Well, that seemed, that sounds good. I mean, they're at least trying to make it make it good for you. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's cool, you know. Um, maybe not the greatest uh, exercise in customer service ever, but they at least seem to be making an attempt. Yeah, every company in the world is going to make something that fails every once in a while. No big deal. You know, it really is cool. Um, hopefully the new ones are good. And, and when I get a little spare cash, I'm going to send them some of the failed ones and some of the new ones, uh, which are going to fail if I so use them. Can, uh, you know, do a little them. analysis, that kind of thing. Yeah. So what else you got? You got anything else for the intro? I've got um, two interesting pieces as we get close to the election of kind of uh, voter intimidation and uh, voter election fraud, not so much voter fraud issues. One is um, from the free press. There was a piece describing how uh, the voting machine company was applying an experimental software patch. This is in Ohio. That sounds scary. An experimental software patch to all the voting machines in certain primarily Democratic uh, districts in Ohio. And this kind of thing is regulated. Like, they're not allowed to change the voting machine software right before an election. Oh, I trust them. They would never do that. Except that in their contract with the state, there appears to be a loophole where they're allowed to apply versions of the software like that are considered experimental or bug fixes. This is another one of those states' rights issues, apparently, you know, federal election law. This is a disaster. I mean, because you know that when people want to say, okay, well, we, we want to audit the software. We want to get the version of the software that you used for the election and test it and make sure it passes our, uh, our you know, state uh, 
testing process, and they will have conveniently magicked that version off the election, uh, off the voting machines, and you know replaced it with the previous version from USB sticks. You know, and apparently it's that easy to th- to throw an election. So you know, I have no faith, no faith in the machines at all. There's a piece that was uh, run in the Guardian that talked about uh, a former. NSA analyst who studied. Yeah, I've been seeing that. That, that yeah, who's, who studied the results and discovered that in certain districts, Larger they really districts. were. Yeah, they really were just uh, swinging the election by up to by just under ten percent or something. I well, guess which that it, was, it accounts for a twenty point swing, though. Right, but that 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 was apparently the number that was uh, wouldn't set off some kind of alarm bells. In and the bigger heads. the district, the easy, the probably the more difficult it is to see the tampering in larger numbers. You know exactly. So yeah. the other thing was a Toledo Blade piece that described letters sent out to voters, and I hadn't heard about this, but apparently this has been a thing in previous elections too. Right, you're you're a voter, and you get a letter before election day that lists all your neighbors and indicates uh, whether they voted and in which years they voted, like their voting history for the past, you know, I don't know, four election cycles. It gets, gives their name and address and whether they voted or not. And apparently this is legal, but it seems like uh, a weird bit of intimidation. Like, you know, I mean, it, are they trying to convince you to go uh, try and argue with your neighbors or convince your neighbors to vote if they don't vote. That just seems, apparently that's legal. You're not allowed to share the results of their votes, what they voted for, but uh, the fact that they voted is apparently a public record. What do you think about that? That seems very uh, creepy to me. It is kind of creepy. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. It seems like it's like intimidation, you know. It seems like it's something yeah, that, uh, you know, somebody could hold over you or, or try to, um, you know, influence you with or at least try to scare you. Yeah. Well, anyway, this this is – I don't want to uh, go exhaustively on these topics, but I just want to point out, and I think we're in agreement, that uh, the situation in some of these swing states like Ohio is just filled with these sort of uh, – bizarre uh, uncertainties about the election that just leaves us Well, they're us sending with... out letters to minorities saying the election day is actually after election day. Yeah, that's a common trick too, but but just it's it's full of shenanigans. It's full of shenanigans. It's it's just uh, so we just have no confidence that the results of especially states like Ohio and Florida will have anything to do with the intent of the voters. Right, right. And, and the voter intent used to rule. Now they're actually able to, to throw away, you know, votes if you, you uh, like on write-ins, if your street address is spelled wrong and all kinds throw of away stuff. Ballots. I mean, we've, we've come so far from where we were just 40, yeah. or, 40 or 50 years ago, but even 30 years ago with voter yeah. intent. And I mean, if, if the voter intent of Florida was truly carried out, you know, George Bush right. would never have been president. But uh, right. anyway, we don't want to go on that too long. Grace and I did vote, but we are we sent in absentee ballots because we're uh, planning to be out of town at a conference. But um, well, how's it feel not, knowing your votes uh, aren't going to be counted or be thrown away? Well, we are concerned about that. Yeah, Although, well, they they know, talked about that extensively on NPR yesterday. So if you listen to uh, maybe yeah. Talk of the Nation or one of the check that out yesterday, it was it was extensive on one of the programs. It's very it's very disturbing. Anyway, yeah. so you want to jump into tune number one. Let's jump into tune number one. This is a All cool right, this tune. Is a, this is a fusion tune from my uh, from my friend Todd. Let's check it out.
Yeah, that's a tune called uh, You're Bringing Me Down by a little band slash project called Crash. I, I have to say, I think this is one of the coolest songs that I've ever heard us do on the show together. Wow. I re- really like it. Crash was a little project that three guys were doing in Minneapolis. My friend Todd Madsen, so I'll be linking to his blog, his friend Kevin Worthington, and an- another guy named Dave Alstead. And I actually have a CD called Gods of Outstate Radio by Crash that had a version of it on it, but the mastering was just horrific. So I asked him for uh, a cleaner two-track mix, and uh, I kind of put a remastering on it for the show, and it sounds pretty good. Great track. I like it. It does. I, I mentioned uh, via chat on Facebook that to me uh, this song. I'm not. I'm not saying they deliberately tried to copy anything. Oh, you are. You're whatsoever. saying they ripped them off. I no, heard no, you. no, no, no. But I'm saying that this song, I, I believe, is very much inspired, at least part of it, by a Rush instrumental called La Villa Strangiato. Especially if you listen about 4:15. But the neat thing about it is uh, that Rush song. Actually, they ripped off, although they, they, they actually eventually paid the composer for using it for all those years. They ripped off a song called Powerhouse, an instrumental called Powerhouse by Raymond Scott, which is featured in a lot of old Warner Brothers cartoons. Hmm. It's the part that goes dun 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 da 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 dun 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 And so I see this as like a, a three-part chain of influence. Like uh, Rush borrowed that melody pretty explicitly, a clip from it, just a riff from it, for uh, La Vila Strangato. And then I think this song, they borrowed a bit of that sort of feel. And then they also, uh, I hear uh, what I think is the Spanish Phrygian scale on guitar for this sort of reverby fast guitar solo. And I think that's inspired a little bit by... Uh, La Vila Strangiato. Maybe not, maybe not, but to, may, or maybe unconsciously, but that's what I hear in it, and that's one of the reasons I like it, actually. So hmm. It's just neat to hear this like uh, chain of, of influence. To me, it kind of, if you hear all the influences that go into a piece, it kind of deepens your appreciation of it, but there it is. Wow, cool. Uh, so what's been going on in the news lately? Something big happened the other day. Remind me, what was it? Um, um, Fred, Wilma, uh, Wilma. Sandy. 
Sandy. Sand. It's so ironic that a storm that kicked up so much sand on the Jersey Shore, which is filled <laughs> with sand, was called Sandy. But, you know, it's actually kind of appropriate that we talk about the hurricane because our podcast was kind of founded around the time of Hurricane Katrina in August of 05. We started our podcast in June of 05, so I don't even think we had done 10 shows. And there we were talking about... You know, the hurricane and just how poorly the federal authorities responded to it. And, you know, one of the notes that I made on on my note sheet here is contrast with 2005. And, you know, here we are. And the uh, FEMA response was uh, instantaneous and with great vigor. Yeah, by all accounts, it was very uh, it was very good response. You know, Obama's been on the phone with every mayor and every governor that that uh-huh. you know has been in the path of destruction, and right. they're all going on the news and speaking, you know, including Chris Christie, Republican from New Jersey, going on the news and speaking glowingly about yeah. Obama, which yeah. must be just roasting Romney's cojones. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think that it's it's actually all the really hardcore. Uh, partisans the sort of uh, republican base it's making them crazy when they see uh governor christie shaking hands with obama on their little news machine uh he's he's done as far as republican politics if he wants to run for office he's going to have to to uh, switch to democrat yeah and and the thing that really hurts romney here is he really can't insinuate himself into the news or else he's he been will trying. look like a jerk. Well, <laughs> right, but if he if he does it any more, yes. any more, what's the word I want? Any more deliberately, or any you know, it, 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 you know, if he shows cynically, up in New Jersey cynically, and starts handing yeah. out canned food on the Jersey Shore, he's going to look right, like an idiot. Right. Yeah. Well, he already has. I mean, he his thunder has been stolen, as they say. Yeah, the the Red Cross does not want you to collect up canned goods and bottled water and send them to the Red Cross because then they have to. Do the you know, I'm giving Romney a pass them. on that one because while the Red Cross doesn't need those, if they send trucks of canned food and water to the Jersey Shore, it is going to do some good. It doesn't have to be through the Red Cross because he did also did mention that you could donate cash to the Red Cross. But you see what I'm saying? I think okay, Lawrence O'Donnell yeah. and Rachel were all over him. They don't. Red Cross doesn't even want canned foods. Well, you know what? If somebody is starving on the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore and needs water and a U-Haul truck shows up with some canned food and some bottled water, that's going to save a life. Sure, he could use his campaign logistics and money to uh, to actually deliver like his own relief effort. But it, it just it does it would seem a little odd. But what he was doing, I mean, you heard a, you heard the the news stories. He his campaign people were sent out to Walmart to buy five thousand right. dollars worth of and then bottled they, water. You know, and when stuff. nobody showed up with canned goods, they gave them some to make it look like they showed up with and then, canned goods. Yeah, and then had them hand them to Romney, who shook their yeah. Hand I mean, I get that that was donations. all a photo op, and it was also he could continue right. campaigning under the guise sure. of hurricane relief. Exactly. But like yeah. I said. If some of that food does end up in the hands of a starving or or, or person who's you know has dying of thirst, yes. fine. That that, that will know. be a good thing. But you know, I think the thing that he could have done that would have made him look more statesmanlike would be to just reiterate, you know, th- their support to make a big personal donation himself to the Red Cross, and then yeah. just to get out of the way and, and you know say this is not the time for partisan politics and actually suspend campaigning for at least 24 hours. Yeah, know? yeah. And I mean, Chris Christie has been looking very presidential. I know he went on Fox and Friends and said, if you think I give a damn about presidential politics, then you don't know me. I think parenthetically, like what yeah, he yeah. was really saying was, if you think I give a damn about 2012 presidential politics, 
politics. You don't know right, me. Because clearly right. he is he's trying to look statesmanlike and presidential for 2016. Because he's going to be definitely be one of the Republican frontrunners, you know, when that time comes. Interesting. You know, and he's doing and saying all the right things, too. Yeah. So there is a connection to the uh, to Katrina. You heard that uh, Scott Brown appeared on the TV machine saying that uh, he he thought the uh, the federal reaction to the hurricane was was oh hold your horses there it's a little too quick you know why don't you simmer down slow down there all I can say to that is heck of a job brownie heck of yeah, a job I, I mean what I can say to him is fuck off I mean that's like saying somebody's got a sucking chest wound from a gunshot and saying yeah let's just let this play out don't call nine one one hang on let's, for a little while let's Good order call a few there. tests yeah. let's order a few tests maybe an X ray or something yeah or just wait we'll just wait it out he'll be fine. Yeah. Just walk it off. Watchful waiting. <laughs> Just walk anyway. it off. It's like a hernia. Walk it off. So how is this going to affect the election? You think that Obama basically is looking really presidential? Well, He's going to get a boost from that, this? You know, uh, the storm is terrible. I mean, you know, 67 lives lost, whatever that number is. Not not even counting the ones in the Caribbean. I mean, if you count the ones right. in the Caribbean, it's it's in the hundreds. It's a and bigger hundreds. storm, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, how is this going to affect the election? Well, there are places, there are polling places that are underwater right now. So they have yeah. some logistical stuff to figure out. And, sure. and it, it's all in blue states, which is kind of good and maybe kind of bad. Uh-huh. This could be one of those, because New York and New Jersey are going to go blue no matter what. The they question could suppress is, turnout a little bit, you're saying? It might Total suppress turnout, turnout which might yeah. mean he could win the Electoral College and lose the popular vote, which we've seen uh-huh. um, once before only, or was it twice before? It's been a, it's been more than once, but uh, but yeah. So they're going to need to get some logistical stuff figured out. And I mean, what about the people that might have left town? What about the New Yorkers who might have? Ah, geez, I'm going to my brothers in uh, Pennsylvania for a couple right. of weeks while they straighten right. this out. Are they going to be able to vote at all? So you know, the question isn't if this is going to have an impact. It's going to just be how big it is. You know, how big. I don't actually know exactly. I know this wasn't, you know, as far as people stranded and whatnot, this wasn't quite like uh, NOLA, you know. It well, just I don't know. That. They were talking on public radio today about a lot of people with handicaps and disabilities. There are, and and there, yeah, there are know, still people stuck in their homes. There are still, well, there, there, you know, they interviewed a, a woman flooding. who happened to get her electricity back today, but she and her partner are like wheelchair bound and they live like on the 20th floor of a high rise in Manhattan. Oh, geez. Well, geez, yeah. what happens when the elevators are broken? I mean, they've been relying right. on the kindness of the neighbors to bring them batteries and water and food and, and their you know, fridges just, are out yeah. yeah yeah so there are a lot and they've talked in they you know they talked about many many people who were in that situation in that situation i've been i've been concerned about that we should say that that has been a bigger concern of mine than than the election per se so, well right and people yeah. if you can you know definitely throw some money at the red cross i know john and i were saying that on the 2005 podcast as well i know he and i both made donations then i don't have a ton of money right now but i'll do what i can so but one eight hundred Red Cross, I think you can just... And do not mail can canned goods, but... Uh, do not mail canned goods. Right? Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I mean, and we could talk for days about, you know, the the global warming stuff as well, the climate change stuff, but, you know, the good news yeah. is that these storms are happening, and I, I don't mean that in any real sense of the word, but I don't think people are going to wake up until these events exactly. keep continuing. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to need to see some more of these yes. events you 
know, happening before uh, before anybody's going to do anything. Because even the weatherman who went on Letterman the other day, Letterman had uh-huh. nobody in his audience two days in a row because you know Manhattan was basically shut right. down. Shut down. But he, yeah. he with a uh, with a small staff, he actually put on a show. In fact, the graphics guy couldn't make it in. So when he did the top ten list, somebody was holding the cue cards in front of the camera because they couldn't really? put them up on the screen. And and I actually thought it was great because they toughed it out and they did a show, you know, under yeah, uh, yeah. difficult circumstances. But you know, he had one of the lead weathermen from the Weather Channel on, and it was almost like that guy was even afraid to talk about climate change. You know, Dave kind of stirred the conversation in that direction, and then the weatherman actually said something like, "Oh boy, I knew it was going to come to this," as if it's like some. Yeah. It's as if it's so. It's so still off. a politically toxic topic that if you talk about but, but it, but that you're a weatherman now a, can't even talk about it. I mean, let's get real. Conspiracy theorist. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I. I, I don't know. We, I don't want to make too much of this, but I, I do believe that ultimately, you know, I mean, we've definitely pushed past a tipping point. Oh, and yeah. So, well, I was talking know, about it with my friend Matt today, who is an environmental consultant. You know, all right, we can do now right. is mitigate. We're past the point right. where we can we, stop We this. can't prevent the worst of it. We're going to experience the worst of it. We can try and make it better for the long term but in the short term we're in for a definitely a, a rough time and you know what he I, is I saying what he said to me in the car was at this point we're just trying to keep the environment from making a huge change instantly right you know right. like you know suddenly the you know the temperature rising so much in two or three years that we do get that huge amount of glacial huge melt that really sea does level start rise yeah and you also know, it'll the, make manhattan look full time like what it looked like you know the other night yeah, yeah. No, I am very concerned about that. But people, when I talk about how I think, you know, New York City in a decade isn't going to be what it once was because it's just not, we're not willing to make the tax investment to basically treat it like uh, the Netherlands, you know, like a seawall and sort of a permanent uh, fixation on keeping this the sea out, you know, with with a lot of a lot of investment, like a, a socialist country level of investment. I'm not sure we're willing to do that, and so well, the very least, the low lying areas of New York, the shape of that is going to change. It has. Yeah. To. Well, you mentioned that on Facebook, and there was a you know yeah. quite a bit of. Uh, Quite a few opinions. I think we're probably still 30 years away from that, but I think there will come a time, like I was saying, it's inevitable where, you know, definitely coastlines are going to start changing. But I I think we're still, hopefully we're... Some of my friends are still still saying I'm reading too much dystopian science fiction. (laughs) Yeah, you you know, what are you, Mad Max? Quit it. These days I I read mostly... much happier science fiction because it's a little too close to home to read... Hi, hi, hi there, Mr. Deltoid. Cup of the old chai. <laughs> what? what? Oh, was that's that? from a Clockwork Orange. <laughs> oh, his okay. parole officer came to visit him at his apartment, oh, Alex's, right, and he said, right. "Hi, hi, hi, Mr. Deltoid." Anyway, but uh, yeah. yeah, so great, it'll be interesting to see movie. how it great plays movie. out. And and I, for those of you who aren't thinking about our release schedule of the podcast, by the time we podcast again, we should know who the next president of the United States is. So, you know, and again, we'll be able to talk more about how much impact uh, the storm had on the election process. So really quick prediction, what's going to happen with the election? 
you well, say? you know, if the voting machines aren't rigged, I think Obama's going to win bigger than uh, the numbers are even showing now. The last uh, poll I saw showed him at 300 electoral votes. Yeah, um, yeah. He's been rising steadily for the past three or four days. And I think I think this storm helps him. It helps his yeah. image. And I think o- Obama wins with uh, 320 um, or 325 electoral votes at this point. Interesting. Okay. I see actually, I, I see fraud on a major scale in Florida and Ohio. And so I see uh, a really closely contested election that may that has a strong likelihood of, of dragging out into recounts. Which is exactly why I said we should know <laughs> who yeah. the winner is by our next yeah. podcast. Well, if if Romney wins, it will be through some sort of shenanigans. I mean, I'm not disagreeing that that can happen because I certainly don't trust those machines. But if we're actually going by what the polls are saying now, um, Obama wins wins uh, a sig- not a blowout like Reagan against, what was that, 49 states to one or something? Right. In Reagan's right. first term, you know, it's not going to be anything like that, but it's not going to be, you know, 280 electoral votes to 260 or something like that. I think yeah. Obama wins by a what I would call a, a significant margin. But if Obama does win by any kind of margin at all, I'm also expecting to see this huge backlash of people on the right. Yeah, voter uh, the fraud. gun talk is going to start again yeah. and all of that nonsensical Cause, crap. Cause and, they've been living in in this bubble that has closed so tightly that they now don't even believe the polls, except for their supposedly right. unskewed polls, their own version of the polls. And, and that so, really amazes me because you would – I bizarre. don't care who does the poll. I want accurate numbers. If I'm working yeah. for a campaign – I sure. want the numbers that represent, you know, a, a, a kind of a, an analog of what's actually going on in the voters' minds. So, you know, yeah, that's, it's fa- it's you need real data math- here. Mathematics or something. It's just it's just lunacy. Right. Anyway. So you want to jump into uh, track number two? Let's play track number two. This is depressing. <laughs> this tune is not depressing. It's a very sweet tune. It is. All right. Let's check it out.
So that is a very mellow, mellow, sweet tune by the uh, the violist Leova. Try to say that ten times fast. The violist Leova. It's and not, uh, not pronounceable. It just has too many <laughs> consonants in a row. But it was beautiful, beautiful song. That was a song called Carnavale Dash Two, like Carnavale hyphen two. It's Carnavale with a K, so it's Carnival Two. And it's I just love that that. The sort of feeling and that sort of European sort of gypsy kind of vibe, you know, the flavor, yeah, romantic rom- sort like, of vibe, like candlelight or torchlight or something like that. Yeah, it's nice. It's yeah, lovely he's just great, and he's got a new CD out too. So I, I'll have to drop him an email hint <laughs> that the uh, bloodthirsty vegetarians are ready and willing <laughs> would, to play some of those tunes as well. We'd be, we'd be happy to uh, to act as co-promoters for his any of his material. Yes, that's right. That's right. So we got some voice, uh, some voicemail on the voicemail. Line. And it was actually about the whole Palin shucking and jiving thing. So uh, let's listen to what Kate had to say. Excellent. Hi, Rich and Paul. This is Kate. I'm one of your loyal listeners. And I just wanted to comment on your last show that uh, I'm actually really totally unfamiliar with the phrase shucking and jiving. I don't think I've even heard it before you made a comment on it in your show, but I, even though I was a, a pretty avid Dukes of Hazard fan, however, um, from its context, my tendency is to think that this is kind of a sly, backhanding insult from stupid puppet that Sarah Palin is, and I agree that her handlers probably encouraged her to use it. I don't think that it's an obvious racial slur, but it's hedging on it. So, And also, thank you to Paul for the book. Um, I'm, I've started reading it, and it looks pretty interesting thus far. So thanks again for that. Bye-bye. So Kate uh, looks like um, was somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of on the fence. She had never really heard the phrase. The shucking and jiving term, yeah. Yeah, yeah. despite having uh, watched the Dukes of Hazard and uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, and but I'm also willing to accept as long as, you know, somebody tells me that it's racial, that it's racial. Fine, I, yeah. I won't use the phrase. Although I think, like I said, I think there are much bigger fish to fry in this world than the phrase shucking and jiving. I All mean, right. that's well, not that's the worst offender. True. But we also got an email from uh, Spearchucker. Spearchucker <laughs> Jones, the uh, MASH character that lasted exactly six or eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, our friend our friend Keith, who, by the way, I, I am mailing him a Strong Towns book as soon as I get my act together here. But, uh, Keith he Spears, one. the artist that we played last week, who uh, yeah. who got the nickname Spearchucker because his last name is Spears and his middle name is Charles. So it Charles. actually makes some sense. Either it that or he was sense. a javelinist in the, the college or something. <laughs> Well, anyway, he he had also had some comments about not really having heard uh, the term shucking and jiving and haven't given it a lot of thought, but uh, he was also sort of um, shying away from saying... This is obviously a, clearly a, a, a coded racial slur, but um, yeah, anyway. I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm just amazed at the number of the people who, even in our age, who might have watched the Dukes of Hazard, who don't even remember remember it being on there, because that's the that's where I know the phrase from. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Well, I was I was young back then. So I guess that's a show, man. That is a show. Thanks to our listeners for uh, sending us voicemail and email. We appreciate it. That's right. Keep them coming. This is uh, Rich Wilgus in uh, wet Utica, New York. I am Paul Potts in uh, somewhat sunny Saginaw, Michigan. Check us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Send us feedback, feedback at bloodyveg.com. 
And keep those voicemails coming, 206-376-0397. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye now.